that are leading the way in health and freedom. Hey, Chris Lewis here with My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com, 970-776-0258. At My Favorite Gunsmith, all I do is repair firearms. I love freedom more than guns, but the only thing that separates a free man from a slave is firearm ownership. I would only add that it needs to work. All of my guns work. Do yours? Find out, 970-776-0258. My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com. That's 970-776-0258. This is Steve at Ramsey Auto Group. Hey, this is Mike from Ramsey Auto Group. Just stopping in to say hi, let you know that we're still open, still in business, and still rocking and rolling. You know, if you're looking for a good car experience, come see us. We have old school values. We still operate by handshake. We're not pushy. We want you to be happy, and uh, we have a great selection of trucks. 6175 West 10th Street, Greeley. 970-443-5654. 970-443-5654. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Excursion Broadcasting Network. Day by day, oh dear Lord, three things I pray, to see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee. Good morning. Welcome to today's program of the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. This is out of the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 8. The wind, or the spirit, blows where it wants, where it wants to, and you hear the sound of it. But you do not know where the wind comes from or where it's going. It is the same with every person who is born from the Spirit. We cannot comprehend or can control the Spirit, but we experience His effect. We do not control God and His will and His plan for our lives. We don't don't control that. God is sovereign. God decides when He wants to come and visit us. And in that visit, He determines what He is going to counsel us to do at the present or in the future. We don't know when the wind is going to come. We don't know when the Holy Spirit is going to visit. I say He visits all the time. He's always upon us. He's always with us because He's in us. But we don't know when He is going to come with specific directions for our lives. We don't know what He's planning to do. We don't know which which direction He's going to take us. But that is His, His, according to His desire, He can do whatever He desires to do with us. We make plans for our week, for our lives, for the future, but God will determine exactly what the 
perfect will of God will be. If we desire to yield to the Lord, to give our lives to Him, then we cannot imagine, it is beyond comprehension, what He will do with us, where He will direct us. The wind, the Spirit, blows where it wills. You hear the sound of it, you don't know where the wind comes from or where it's going. It's the same with every person who is born of the Spirit. We cannot comprehend or control the Spirit, but again, we experience His effect. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. To set the mind to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To set the mind on the flesh is death. To set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, mind the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, is enmity with God. It is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also give life to your mortal bodies by His Spirit that lives inside of you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you through the Spirit do put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Christian life is a life of growth from the time we are born again and become believers and have the, the life of Jesus Christ in us and become to, we begin to live our lives for Jesus Christ, the period of growth begins. Good morning and welcome again to 
The Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. I've been thinking that in all generations from the time that Christ breathed His Holy Spirit into the disciples, the church has been in a period of growth, like seeds planted in the field, wheat example, wheat for example, and the growing process begins. And it has taken 2,000 years for the wheat, the family of God, the, in the field of God, it has taken 2,000 years for God's churches, His family, to grow, to mature. We are now in the time of maturity as a church. Our time in this earth for the believers our time on this earth, in this earth, is about to end. Through the last 2,000 years, we have seen the progression of growth in the body of Christ, meaning all of the seven churches of God. Spoken of in Revelation chapter 1, all seven lampstands. But now, we're in the final period known as the harvest. Many uh, believers are not aware that we are very close to the harvest or the resurrection. We are, we are years away. The, the Bible talks about in the years prior to Christ's coming, in the last hundred years, in the last 70, 80 years, there are markers. Markers, there are indicators as to how far along we are and how close we are to Christ's re return. The best example is the nation of Israel. When Israel became a nation uh, in America, the Christians, the pastors, uh, even if they didn't follow Bible prophecy, they knew this was a sign from the Holy Spirit, Israel becoming a nation after 1,800 plus years of, of basically not the Jewish people not being in their land. So when Israel became a nation in America within the evangelical, the Baptists, the Pentecostal movement, the pastors realized that this was very significant. It has been roughly from 1948 to the present it has been 70 plus years, 70 what? I'd have to think about it. 73 years, I think. Meaning that Israel as a people, as a society, is in its season of maturity. It is in its season of strength. 
coming from a just a small nation, a weak nation, to where Israel is presently militarily, economically, and diplomatically, Israel has now matured as a nation. One of the principles in the scripture is we in the body of Christ can get the best balance. Uh, we can the, the balance that we have. We can know where God is in God's working with His church. We know where we are in a process by watching Israel. If Israel has now come into existence and is now in its time of she's flourishing, her time of maturity, that means the body of Christ is also in that same season. We are at the point where we have grown, we have matured, there is not much left, not much for left for us to do as far as maturity. We have wheat at one point. It comes to the, there, there comes a point when the wheat and has reached full maturity. When it reaches full maturity, there is no more growth. It has peaked. It is mature. And now the harvest is ready. The time to reap the harvest that is the season, uh, the final season before the wheat is actually taken out of the field. We believers are going to be taken out of this field we call the cosmos, the world. We're going to be taken out. For the last 50 years in the evangelical churches, the talk of Christ's rapture the talk of his coming to take his family has been the main topic, has been the main focus. Israel, for the last 50, 70 years now, we've watched Israel go from, from one state of maturity to the next, to the next, to the next. And with each state in her growth, when conflict comes, Israel is prepared for the conflict of that time. In 1960, in the 50s, when Egypt was attacking Israel through uh, Nasser, what was his name? Israel, as a young nation, was ready for the challenge at that time. Then in 1967, another conflict. But Israel was ready for that conflict. In the uh, 19 in the early 70s, another conflict came. Israel was ready for it. In the 80s, another conflict, a greater conflict, a new conflict with newer technology, but Israel was ready for it. Then, in the last 10 years, 15 years, with all the all the attacks that have come through the terrorist groups. With each attack, Israel has been prepared for these, these assaults. And Israel is preparing herself for the next major assault. 
as it is with Israel, it is the same in the body of Christ. With each assault, God has positioned people in his body to address and to stand against the assaults that would come against society and the body of Christ, the churches. One of the best examples is the matter of abortion. When this assault came in the 60s and 70s, it is the, uh, the Catholic Church and evangelical churches and members within the other main denominations that began to take a position to, to stand against this type of uh, evil, this type of a war against children. Then the assault intensified. Not only was it an attack on the children of the land in the womb, freshly born, then those that would be born for uh, an hour and the attack was no longer in the womb, it was outside of the womb. With each assault in the body of Christ, the body was prepared. There were those individuals that were prepared for these different assaults. Now, and as progressively as time, as we move into time, as the years go by, there's always a new form of evil that comes into, you might say, that had been in the society in a seed form, but that seed grows and it becomes evident. For example, there was a time when the homosexual movement and the what we now call LGBT plus movement it was in its infancy. It was somewhat, somewhat uh, not hidden, but it was restrained. But as time goes on, evil does mature along with those in the body of Christ who mature in their righteousness and their holiness. A new assault, a different war, and there, have, there will be those in the body of Christ who will address whatever the new um, attack is. One of the things that I have been presenting to this audience is a matter of prophecy being fulfilled. I don't know how deep I will go into this matter today, but it's a matter of apostasy. This matter is the one matter that would affect the whole body of Christ, all the seven churches, apostasy, meaning a, a I, I, I don't know if I want to use the word, a, a coldness, in the heart of the believer, a uh, callousness, a deadness to 
Christ. Not just to Christ as, a, as our God, as our Redeemer, but to His Word. And I think it was David, King David said that God has placed His Word above His name. And with the name of Christ, we see an individual, we see uh, how God has worked to present Himself to mankind. But to fully present Himself and explain who He is, He needs His Word. So David said that God has placed His Word above His name. The two work together, but to explain adequately the person, Jesus Christ, you need the Scripture. To explain who God, our Father, is, who we pray to, our Father who art in heaven, you need His co complete Word. To know and understand who the Holy Spirit is, you need the Word of God to explain to you this Holy Spirit. And in Timothy 1, verse 17, 1 Timothy 1.17 Now unto the God eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. In that verse, just like in Romans 8, which I just read, Paul, in Romans 8, he explains to the believer Christ in you, the Spirit in you, the Spirit of God in you. He's explaining to you and giving you the experience of the triune God. Many hate that term, the Trinity, but God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is in the believer according to Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse uh, Eight. Then in 1 Timothy 1.17, Paul also, in a very profound, dynamic way, he explains to the believer, unto the God eternal. This is the eternal Father spoken of in Isaiah 9.6. He's the eternal Father Unto the God eternal. In this one verse, God, uh, I'm sorry, Paul is explaining the Godhead. Unto the God eternal, immortal. Who was it that became immortal? It was the Son of God, born of a virgin in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. This son, who was mortal and became immortal. Unto the God eternal, immortal, the Son of God. Invisible. Who in the Godhead is invisible? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So Paul, in that one verse, is presenting through Timothy... 
1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. Now unto the God eternal, immortal, invisible. Then he says, the only wise God. He presents the Godhead in three forms. But then he says, unto the God eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. So he takes the plurality back to singularity. He's making the three one. And this was the mystery. God said, the Lord is one. This is the mystery of the Trinity. But we have the mystery of God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in us. This is the great mystery that the world does not see. This is a great mystery that many believers do not understand mentally. They, don't, they can't grasp it, but they have had experience because the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit lives within us according to Paul in Romans chapter 8. This is the Godhead. We're going to go to uh, the bottom of the first hour break, but in Romans 8, there's no condemnation because of the spirit of life. The spirit of life. And the spirit of life, Paul is saying, is not objective it is subjective. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwell in you. Then he says, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, how can you have two? They're one. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. But he makes a distinction. For those that are going to be dropping off, Podcasts are on 1360khnc.com for the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry, and you can get the podcasts. And for those that are just coming in to the pro program, hold on. We'll be back after this short break. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group, and I would like to encourage everyone to make sure they are prepared financially as the Federal Reserve continues to destroy the value of the dollar. Since the closing of the gold window in 1971, the Federal Reserve has led the way in the explosion of debt and the devaluing of your money. They openly say that they need 2% inflation, which simply means they hope to devalue your money, and they want to do this every single year, year after year. I know it's hard to understand, but the Federal Reserve believes in prosperity through debt and growth via the devaluation of your future. To learn more about how to protect yourself, visit us at allamericangold.com or call us at 800-951-0592 and protect yourself against the devaluing of your money. Oh, 
All right, we'll continue. This is a mystery that uh, many believers, they don't understand uh, just mentally. They don't understand what happened when they were born again. They don't realize they're, they're not maybe very versed. They don't know, they don't read the scripture. I know that uh, within Catholicism, being raised a Catholic, there's no such thing as reading the Bible on your own. You only know Christ through what the priest on Sunday presents to you. In the Lutheran churches, it's a little different. They do have sermons. With the, uh, in the Anglican churches, there's more scripture, more depth to what's in the Bible. Presbyterian churches, the most of the Protestant churches, but within Roman Catholicism, and to some degree in the Greek churches, there is a lack of the Word of God. There is the, the different, uh, I call them rituals, that are in Catholicism and the Greek churches, and, and really in all churches, in all assemblies, there are rituals, there are ways of their conduct, uh, there are, you know, uh, it's a system with different rules, with different, uh, different, uh, oh, I don't know, like with the Catholics, you sit down, kneel down, stand up, kneel down, stand up, sit down. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. You just have ways, the ways of Catholicism, the ways of the Lutheran churches, uh, some of the churches, the choir sings for exactly 15 minutes, an exact number of songs. Then the priest or the teacher or, or the, uh, the uh, chaplain or whoever is leading, I think it's in the Lutheran churches, I don't think it's a priest, I don't think it's the father, it's the pastor. He speaks a message for exactly 45 minutes. And then, or, or 30 minutes, exact. And then it's done. They just have that routine. That's the word I'm looking for, a routine. There's no room for the Holy Spirit to come and do anything. Because there's a routine, it's regulated. That is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given that amount of time in that routine. That's it for the week. With evangelical Christianity, it's much different. There's much greater latitude. But even within evangelical Christianity, within the Baptist, some of the more strict, uh, moral majority type of assemblies, uh, even there, there is a lot of much routine and little room for the, for the Holy Spirit to go a different direction, a new direction, a needed direction.
But then within the evangelical churches, you have the Pentecostal churches. I'm speaking from experience. I'm not speaking because I've read this. I've been involved with the fundamental church, the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Bible reading, Bible teaching, deep in the word, not surface, but deep to the depths of the meanings in the scripture. And I've been in Pentecostal churches with the gifts of the Spirit. The giftings of individuals that are very gifted and within the ways of Pentecostalism. Within Pentecostalism, they have their own ways. They have their routines. Um, it's just the Pentecostal way. I can give you an example. In, with the Pentecostal way, if a pastor who's very dynamic can speak well, has been trained, that individual should, let's say, they uh, are involved out with, with uh, <clears throat> adultery. Well, the Pentecostal way is to take that pastor, if he's very dynamic, and rehabilitate him. Take him out, out of the pulpit for about a year and send him to counseling and have counselors working with he and his wife to keep the marriage together, which does work many times, depending on the wife. I give great credit to wives. And then after a year, after they've been rehabilitated, they are once again put in a position of authority in the assembly. That's the Pentecostal way. But Paul told Timothy, if you want to be a bishop, a bishop that you've chosen a good, that's a great uh, desire, I should just look at it. Let me look at it here. You've desired a good service. But you must be the husband of one wife. That's the biblical way. But the Pentecostal way and the ways within evangelical Christianity. We do have our own ways. We have our things that we can deviate from the scripture on. So that individual can be put back into a responsible position for the sake of the income. It's about income. Let's be honest about it. With the churches, they have to have, they have a budget. They have a budget. They have programs. This is the American way. It is the Catholic way. Lutheran way. Greek way. This is the way it is. There are these routines and systems and the systems of control. And Christ does in the book of Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, he talks about the dysfunctionalism in each of his 
churches, his lampstands. There's this, there, there, will, there is at all times his children who are dysfunctional. They're not sound doctrinally. They have much latitude in the evangelical churches. There's not much latitude in the Catholic Church for women priests. But in the evangelical churches, you can have women apostles, women prophets. And let's say that the truth is that there are women who God has given prophetic gifting to in the evangelical churches, especially the Pentecostal churches. They do function prophetically. But because they function prophetically, it does not mean they have authority. They don't have authority over men. That is the biblical way, but in the Pentecostal movement, and now it's spreading in through all of evangelical Christianity, and it's beginning to, and has spread into the mainstream denominations, women in the pulpit. This is not the biblical way, but it, it, it becomes the way of a system. And Christ, going back to my point a while back, just a few minutes ago, the church, whenever something new comes in, a new contaminant, something evil, the church will respond. It's like an individual that is uh, uh, comes into contact with a, a new virus or a new, yeah, sickness. The body will work and do what it's supposed to do to overcome whatever has invaded that uh, immune system. And the immune system responds accordingly. We as a body, the same thing. We respond with an immune system, but our immune system is a spiritual system. And that immune system is kept healthy by one thing, well, two things. I might add a third. It is kept healthy by the reality of the Holy Spirit. And the insight that only the Holy Spirit can give and by the power of the Holy Spirit, in conjunction with the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit in conjunction with the Word of God that keeps, that is the, is, is what keeps the immune system, spiritual immune system of the churches healthy. Then you can add to that the individual at a personal level. The individual working with the Holy Spirit with a clear understanding of the Word of God and in his personal conduct or her personal conduct, righteousness and holiness and also having the quality of the matter of keeping guile, hidden motives, secret plans, uh, unhealthy objectives in control having no guile, having no reason, you're, you're, there's no uh, covetousness, there is no hidden purpose. The purpose for everything 
and the conduct and the, the desires of that individual are always pure and in line with the word and the, with the full being enveloped in the Holy Spirit, living in the Holy Spirit. Like Paul says, you know, if you live in the flesh, it's death. But if you live according to the Spirit, it's life and peace. Always taking care of the life and the peace. Taking care of and being careful to always have the flow of the Holy Spirit daily, morning to night. If there's an offense, if you've offended somebody, the Holy Spirit will draw back. He will, he will inform you that there's an offense. You need to take care of it before the sun goes down. That's the way my wife and I and others that we know, that's how we live our lives. The matter of offenses is very serious. It cuts the flow of the Holy Spirit to your, to your spirit. It will affect you mentally. Eventually, you will be unhappy. Eventually, you'll be miserable. Then when you're unhappy, you're unmiserable, you might get physically sick. God takes this matter of offenses very seriously because you've offended somebody or they've offended you. If they've offended you, you have to forgive them. That's very difficult. But if you've offended somebody, it's even more difficult because generally the Lord will have you go apologize. That is, the flesh hates that. That is a, a direct assault to your flesh, to your ego, to who you are as a person. This is why it's always wise to be careful in your relationship with people. I, uh, my wife and I had dinner with a brother and his wife that we've known for years and years and years. We haven't visited for probably from, let's say, the early 80s to the present. What's that, 20, 40 years, maybe? And uh, we know a brother that was a pastor, my wife's pastor years ago. And he had been leader of the, an assembly. And in, oh, this was back in the 70s, mid-70s. I got a call from him in 1998. He had been, the Lord had been just speaking to him about his past. And he said, uh, he called me and he said, you know, I want to have a reconciliation weekend. I want to reconcile with some of the pastors that I worked with. I'm going to do that on a Saturday on Sunday, I want to invite all of the individuals that I that were in the church that I was overseeing in early in the mid 70s, and I want to reconcile. On Saturday, I'll meet and reconcile with the pastors, but on Sunday, I would I want you, if you would, I would like you to host that get get together. Because I've talked to people and you're the individual that uh, you have no problems with people. You're neutral. And you're on good, in good standing with people. I'd like you to host that for me. 
He said, I want to reconcile. I want everybody to know that I realize that I've offended many people knowingly or unknowingly, but I want to reconcile. I, want to, I don't want to go to the judgment seat of Christ with these offenses. So I hosted that. I, ho I, I went ahead and put that event together for him. I was the host. This is how this brother, he's a brother with no guile. He has no hidden motives. He wants the flow of the Holy Spirit on his life. He doesn't want to be limited to what God can do with him. So we had that weekend meeting, and he was so happy and pleased that he was able to make things right with people. This is the way we should be. It's going to be hard on your flesh. It's going to be hard on your ego, on yourself, what you are by nature. But God cannot allow us to have problems with other believers. He wants there to be, a, we, we are to be a church without, we are to, to live our lives personally without fault, which we can, because the Lord and the Word, we have the Lord, the Word, and we have the choice to live holy, to live righteously. We must forgive, and if those, if, uh, those that have offended us, we have to forgive them, whether they come to us and ask for forgiveness or not. We have to forgive. Uh, many will say, well, once they apologize to me, then I'll forgive them. That may not happen. What happens if that person that, that does something to offend you dies? What are you going to do? The individual is no longer here on this earth. He cannot apologize to him. You can hold that offense even while he's dead or they are dead. You have to forgive. Then, if they've offended you, again, forgive them. Now, if you've offended somebody, now that's going to be a little more difficult. They're both difficult. But you must go to that individual you should according to the word, and ask for forgiveness for whatever it is you did. If, you, if you've done something, uh, let's say you have theft, great theft, you just can't repay, well, you still have to ask for forgiveness, and maybe between you and the individual that you had taken things from, you can work things out. If that other individual is a believer, he's going to, probably just have to forgive you. But in the body of Christ, there are rules that uh, the Scripture, there are regulations, there are rules, there are ways that cannot be violated. The Pentecostal way, they can do many things. Women pastors, women teachers, women who have authority over men, women apostles. There are men who are in in the pulpit were not called by God. But the dad was a pastor, the grandpa was a pastor, so that means the grandson is going to be a pastor too. It's the family tradition. 
There's no such thing as these type of traditions in the body in the in the body of Christ according to the word of God. The apostles well you had one apostle who had a son who became an apostle who had a son who became an apostle that's not the way it is. It's very clear in the scriptures. The apostles are handpicked by the Holy Spirit. They're handpicked to do certain functions. Number one, they must have a deep experience of the Holy Spirit, a deep relationship with Christ. You cannot give somebody a diploma or a piece of paper and that quality comes along with that, that uh, piece of paper. To be an apostle, an, uh, somebody in that office must have the deepest experience and relationship with God that uh, it's, requ it's a requirement. You have to know, you have to be able to discern what is the spirit and not the spirit in your own life. If you're praying in the flesh, if you're praying in the soul, only the Holy Spirit can show you. The apostles were full of the Holy Spirit, meaning the heavens were open to them because there were no offenses. They had no offense. They were without guile. They lived a righteous life, a holy life. And because of that, the spirit from above was upon them and the peace of God was on them at all times every second of every day then on top of that then in conjunction they knew the teachings of Christ the teachings of Christ were it was their it, it was what they were ordained to do. They were to take these teachings that they knew accurately. They were accurate in their understandings of the teachings that Christ had given them and the teachings of Moses and the teachings of the prophets, the conduct, the ways, the boundaries, the uh, direction. They Christ entrusted all of his teachings to 12 apostles. All of his teachings. And then the apostle Paul, upon becoming a, an apostle, he states that he was called to be an apostle. He didn't choose it. He didn't go to an individual to give him a piece of paper. He didn't go to Paul, Peter and James and Jude and all these brothers say, you know, I, I want to be an apostle, anoint me. No, he didn't do that. He didn't go to any of them. He was called, and he knew that calling was of God. And eventually he would go to those apostles, and he would tell them about how God had spoken to him and what he is to do. He was very clear on what his uh, duties were. He tells the apostles, I am an apostle, not to the Jewish not to the Jews. That's your responsibility, James, Peter, John. Your apostleship is to the Jewish people, to the Hebrews. 
mine is to the Gentiles. I've been called to be an apostle to the Gentiles because according to the prophets, God would have a people that were not his people that would become his people, and these people must be brought into the eternal plan of Christ. They have to be brought in. It's going to be a little difficult for the Jewish mind, for the Jewish thought. But nevertheless, I've been ordained an apostle to the Gentiles. They must come in to the family. They're not Hebrew, but they have been called and blessed by God, <clears throat> ordained by Him to receive His Holy Spirit that they might be born again. And then they are going to continue to carry, they will carry the plan of Jesus Christ to the nations in the future. So Paul was very clear of his apostleship. But today, everybody's an apostle. Everybody wants to have that title. But the, the thing is, I would say to these individuals, you will be found out. You will be exposed. Because there will come a time when you will be tested by others concerning your conduct or your knowledge of the word, by what you're speaking, by your doctrine. You'll be found out. If these individuals are not called by God, God will not allow them to pollute that office. And right now that office is being is polluted throughout this country through the Pentecostal charismatic churches. It is an office that, according to Revelation chapter 18, that office will once again operate. There will be those in that office of apostles in America and internationally, but I'll focus on the United States. That office will be once again filled. There will be uh, people that will fill the office of apostle in this country. And they will have the qualities I mentioned. These are, these are not just qualities. We'll be back. Are you looking to sell your excess construction equipment? Trust Steffes Group's team of professionals to get you the best return on your investment. Steffes Group is a nationally recognized leader in the auction business with over 60 years of experience. Their team of professionals prioritize honesty, integrity, and outstanding service, and they work with you every step of the way to ensure a smooth and successful auction process. Go to steffesgroup.com right now to find a sales representative near you and discuss your options today. It's a perfect time to plant trees during the Tree Farm's 50-cent tree sale. Buy the first tree at regular price and get a second tree for only 50 cents. Choose from thousands of carryout-sized shade trees, flowering trees, evergreen trees, and more. Buy one 7 to 8-foot tall flowering tree for only $269.50 and get another tree for only 50 cents. That's two 7-gallon trees for only $270. You Come take I-25 to exit 235, then 5 miles west to the Tree Farm. 
Tommy here with Revo Knives. We're a Colorado company looking for local customers who own a business that want to make a gift for their customers or employees that they'll always use and remember. We customize our knives with your logo and information so they always look at who to get back to when they need your service. Head over to our website at RevoKnives.com or give us a call at 720-947-9599. And as always, live sharp. Bleed Stop, clinically proven and FDA cleared to stop even arterial bleeds. Pour it into the wound, apply direct pressure, and clotting occurs in seconds. No stinging or burning. Minor cuts or major wounds, Bleed Stop is a must for first aid kits, backpacks, and trauma bags. Find Bleed Stop by clicking on the Bleed Stop button on the 1360KHNC webpage. Products and prices listed on the KHNC website are 20% off the regular Bleed Stop website prices. Get yours today. Power surges and lightning bolts can cause damage to your electronic devices. A EMP attack can fry everything, leaving everyone looking like the Flintstones. But don't let that happen. Go to EMPShield.com and enter KHNC in the promo code box. EMP Shield can keep you secure and running when no one else can. American-made electronic protection. Again, put KHNC in the promo box. EMPShield.com The Blue Dragon Spa is a man-friendly spa with women bringing their husbands and significant others in for pedicures all the time. Men's feet hurt too, don't forget. Blue Dragon Spa, 1811 Hover Street, Suites A and B, Longmont, Colorado, 720-680-0492, KHNC is proud to carry MyKind CBD products. Products include cocoa, top shelf tinctures, hemp salve, moisturizing lotions, and retinol cream. They also have pet tincture and hemp shampoo for a healthy coat and skin. To see all the CBD products we carry, visit the station at 2 South Parish or check us out online. Go to 1360KHNC.com. Click on the shop button. On MyPillow's 20-year anniversary, with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell and the MyPillow employees want to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. Queen-size MyPillows, regular price is $69.98, now only $19.98, and just $10 more for king-size. MyPillow's patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs to help you get the best sleep ever. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code KHNC. In addition to this special energy, Anniversary offer on the My Pillows. You will also receive deep discounts on all My Pillow products, such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, My Slippers, and so much more. Take advantage of the biggest sale in My Pillows history. Go to mypillow.com or call 800-948-8229 and use promo code KHNC to take advantage of Mike's special offer on his My Pillow. That's mypillow.com promo code KHNC or call 800-948-8229. Hi, this is Ron Tafoya, owner and operator of New Method Cleaners, Northern Colorado's oldest dry cleaners. Men's clothing to women's fashions, we clean it all. Give us a call with all your cleaning questions. If we don't clean it, we might have a solution. We have two locations to serve you in Severance and Fort Collins. Please call us at 970-775-0623. 970-775-0623. 
Hi there. We're the guys from All Gas, No Class Radio. Please join us and support our new show Sundays from 2 to 3 p.m. We'd love to have you. Because we're too ugly for OnlyFans. Off-Road Automotive offers a wide range of used automobiles for all of your off-road and on-road needs. From classic Jeep CJ7s to high-end sporty Corvettes and everyday commuters, they have a vehicle for you. Bad credit or no credit, no problem. Their professional finance team has you covered. Give them a visit at 1392 Denver Avenue in Fort Lupton or give them a call at 303-502-3230. Trees make you feel good, and the Tree Farms 50-cent tree sale will make you feel even better. Buy the first tree at regular price and get a second tree for only 50 cents. Choose from thousands of shade trees, flowering trees, evergreen trees, and more. Buy one 6-8-foot-tall aspen clump for $169.50 and mix and match another tree for only 50 cents. That's two trees for only one seventy. You take I-25 to exit 235, then five miles west to the tree farm. The views and opinions expressed on KHNC are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Excursion Broadcasting Network. Hot August night and the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground smelling sweet. Welcome to the second hour of today's Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host and founder. Uh, I'm the host of the Olive Tree Radio Ministry. I'm the founder of the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry, founded in 2001, June the 2nd, at sundown. In the first hour, well, before I go on here, let me 
give you contact information. Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. Podcasts for the programs are on 1360, Olive Tree, I'm sorry, 1360khnc.com to the Olive Tree site. Every Sunday, 9 to noon. Three hours. It's difficult to sit, I know. We're busy, busy schedules. 9 to noon is most people are going to an assembly, so you're not going to be able to tune in. There are many who do. But you can later in the week, you can listen to the programs. Podcast. Again, 1360khnc.com and then to the Olive Tree section. During the week, I host the present truth, two to three every day. The podcasts are also on 1360khnc.com to the present truth site. In the, I finished the last hour talking about the office of the apostles. There are those who believe that the office, the apostles, that uh, that the apostles ended with the early church. All through time, there has been there have been men in all of the different lampstands that have had maybe not so much the office, but have operated in that office with the, I guess you would say, the dynamics of what apostles were. Not so much back maybe even a hundred years ago like today. One of the things with the apostles, again, is the deep experience of the Holy Spirit. Not a casual, a general experience of the Holy Spirit. All the body of Christ, every member in God's family, will have an experience of the Holy Holy Spirit. But the apostles have a much deeper, it's deeper, that's not even a good word. It is a more profound experience of the Holy Spirit. They have to. Their vision must be greater. Their vision can't be a centralized vision, a a view that is limited. They have to have the vision of the whole purpose, of a whole plan, a whole objective, taking into view all of the Scripture, the law that was presented to the children of Israel through Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the understanding of the duty of the priests, the just to be able to be a benefit to the 
family of God. They had to have a expanded view of the eternal purpose of God. Especially in the new period of time that we call the lampstand or church age. Where God would have lampstands to bring light to the societies of the world. They would, the apostles, like the apostle Paul, he presents the whole scope of God's plan. Through Israel, through Moses, through David, to the time of Christ, the work of God, Christ with the apostles, his own apostleship, and the plan of God with Israel as a nation, the Jewish people that would be born again as a family in a new experience of the born again people, then the Gentiles, and he would have a view, a total whole view from above which God had given him so he could explain to the family of God what God had done to the present, to his time, and into the future, and the purpose of the lampstands into the future, or the family of God. And then he explained with each church, with each book, with each epistle, he would give an insight, a deep insight into the, you might say, all the epistles were giving an insight into the family of God, the whole body. And each epistle addressed specific things. Was, he was thorough in presenting in the book of, of Romans. From sin all the way to glory. In Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, as he wrote the book of Hebrews, it was directed at the new Jewish family, not the Gentiles. It was more directed at the Jewish family. The Jewish family had problems. They were clinging to Moses, to the law. They were clinging to, uh, you know, Abraham and, and Moses and, and the Jewish lineage. And he was explaining to them that through Messiah, through their Messiah, that was prophesied to come through their prophets. The prophets prophesied about him. That he would come. And that his house would be greater than, the, than Moses. His house would be, there would be more glory. It would be glory not from objectively from without. But there would be more glory subjectively within. And he is trying to present to the Hebrew people that they have one leg in the Judaism of their fathers and they have another leg <clears throat> which is being placed lightly in who their Messiah was. He had to explain to them, this Messiah, the Jewish people put emphasis on angels this Messiah has more honor than the angels. He addressed 
to the Jewish people, to the Hebrew people, as completely as anyone could ever uh, present or, or could explain, he explained everything to them. In chapter 12, he said, he finishes, he concludes that chapter by saying, he basically says, if you neglect what God, what, what Messiah is doing with you, if you neglect this great revelation, then the consequences will be severe. Because their Christian life will be basically come to a, a halt. And he said, back then, God presented himself to Israel by shaking the earth. And he shook the earth. But he said, but God has to do something different in our time. He's going to shake the earth, but also he has to shake the heavens. And by the heavens meaning, he has to shake the old religion. He, God is going to shake it so severely that it's got to, end. It's got to come to an end. It must come to an end. And... He's saying, you think Messiah is in that religion, in that way, in what the forefathers had. But actually, Messiah is outside the camp. He's outside of the system. He's outside of the rules and the regulations and the methods of what Judaism used to be. But he's also saying that already... In the assemblies, from the time of the resurrection to when he wrote Hebrews, already, because man gravitates to certain types of order, to systems, to regulations, to ways of conduct, it's already taking place in the Hebrew churches and it's going to be it's beginning to take place in the gentile churches and he says you have to come out Christ is outside of the camp and there has been a shaking of the heavens meaning the powers in the air from that time to this time and what Christ has been doing from that time to this time is he's been trying to shake these systems Man always gravitates to ways, to rules, to, um, you know, conduct, codes. Like, uh, you know, I have a friend that he said he didn't have any codes as far as dress codes. But he did. He wouldn't allow anybody to speak from the pulpit unless they, were, they had a suit and tie on. So he had a code. We all have codes. We all have... We all have patterns that, that we feel are absolutely the only way God is going to do, do things. I've gone to maybe, I don't know how many different types of assemblies, but each one has its own specific personality. And with that personality, there's a way. I've been to 
assemblies where the members are poor, not poor necessarily poor, but they were not as affluent as other assemblies that I'd go to that where there was great affluence. With those with great affluence, we truly do walk before men. We, we say we don't, but we do. Each one of us, I walk before men, and I have to have the Holy Spirit to nudge me, and I get caught. I do have to be careful, because I walk before men. I have to be careful because of the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. I don't get into the, the new models of vehicles, and, and, you know, that's just not my world. I told my wife yesterday that I did see this one Cadillac. It's the only Cadillac I've ever looked at, and I think it's a new, a, the latest model. I don't know. It might be an old model that's just in really good shape. But I looked at that, and I thought, now that is a good-looking car. Now that would be a car that I would like to drive. I bet you it, it, everything about it is just perfect. So... I have these lusts of the eye, the lusts of the flesh, the pride of life. For you who want to be godly, I'm going to give you a principle. For you who really want to be godly, I'll give you this principle. Those that want to, you individuals, you men, women, you sisters, you need to be careful of a very powerful spirit that has gone out over this land. Very, very powerful. It came in through the Women's Lib Movement in the late 1800s. And women in this culture have, <clears throat> have uh, the, the unbelievers and Women's Lib Movement. The danger is that it has come into the churches of God. That's the danger. And with it comes in a spirit, a Jezebel spirit, a spirit of women who want power, who want recognition, who want authority, who want power and authority, a kind of a difference. It's a Jezebel spirit. It's a spirit that women will not be told, you can't do this, you can't do that. And you, women can do, in this society, you can basically do whatever you want. You know, you can become CEOs of corporations, you can own businesses, I mean, nothing is, you're not limited. But in the body of Christ, there are restrictions. And the restrictions are twofold, to protect the individual from that spirit, which will be self-destructive, then they, these, these people can open themselves up to fallen angels because it's always the fallen angels that the women are the ones who are the uh, easiest to be deep, the easiest to deceive. Women are easily deceived. And the women that have this type of personality, they have to be careful. They have to be 
very careful because they can be deceived and put themselves in the line of fire and in a dangerous position to be attacked by fallen angels. Second, what they are and what they can become will affect God's family. And there are uh, women who will have these be in these positions of power and authority that are carrying their past with them as they come into the world that the spotlight and if they're bringing in what they what happened to them when they were young who they are as an individual if they bring in traits of the flesh uh, the power of the soul it will affect the women that might, what's the word, the women that uh, would be attracted to them because there are many women that have had abuse and women will gravitate to people who have been abused but have overcome abuse or in the process of overcoming the hurts and the shame and the unforgiveness. It will contaminate a field of people. Now my what I wanted I laid that foundation to say this. The sin of the priest, this is the most damaging thing to God's people. My sins, I'll use myself as an example. The sins that I might have hidden, whatever. These sins will affect those that listen to me. This is the danger of people, men or women, who want power and authority in the assemblies. Their sin is the most dangerous thing to the people that listen to them, that are in their sphere of influence. This is why one of the qualities, the must quality of apostles and prophets and men in the pulpit, they cannot have these sins hidden out of view but alive and controlling. They can't have these sins. It's not allowed in the kingdom of heaven. And God will protect his family from these type of individuals. I have known many pastors in the past that uh, the hidden sin caught them. I don't want hidden sins to catch me. So when I catch myself drifting or, 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 or thinking or not so much doing, I just always have to have the protection of God so that I can see my dark heart, my evil heart, what I am as a person, I have to, like the apostles, 
It's one thing they did. They made sure that their hearts were pure. There was no hidden motive. That they lived righteously before men. There are things that uh, we all have to deal with to make right. But the sins of the pastors, the sins of the priests, that is the most damaging, that's the weapon that Satan will use the most. The sins of the pastors. We're going to go to a, the bottom of the hour a break. And I will, I, I will tell you about men that I've worked with that were, had been pastors. And it's a very dangerous thing to uh, have people that you oversee with me. Do I make mistakes all the time? But I try to be as accurate doctrinally as I can. I might misquote a verse here or there or I, I, because I don't have it in front of me. But I try to be accurate. But I'm not trying to deceive. I'm not trying to influence for any reason other than to help God's people grow, to see the dangers, to see the minefields around you, to warn you about false apostles, false prophets, false pastors, false teachers, uh, men who appear to be righteous and they're from the other kingdom. Don't think that Satan doesn't have his people that are righteous. They tithe. They live holy. I mean, it looks like they are the stellar Christians. Boy, I wish I could be a Christian like these people. But they have learned to play the game and they are from the other kingdom. They're not even born again, and they serve Satan. All of these things that are coming at the body of Christ, and God's children, God's family, the harvest, the reaping is coming. There's not much growth left, and we're in a dangerous time. And nobody's talking. Nobody wants to address the matters of the danger of our time and where we are. For those that are dropping off, podcasts are on 1360khnc.com. We'll be back in just a short time. We'll be right back. Any major disaster, especially weather-related, when the power goes out, can cause people to suddenly panic. Within hours, grocery store shelves in your area can be picked clean. Food supply lines get interrupted and food is hard to find. At that point, it's too late to do anything about it. You must survive only on the food you already have in your home or risk waiting for the government to respond while you're standing in food lines. So ask yourself, do you have enough food in your home to last for weeks or months? That's why the smart move is to secure your family's personal supply of the most reliable emergency food you can buy. Having at least four weeks' worth of food is not a luxury. It's mandatory. If you don't want you and your family to end up in this situation, go to 1360khnc.com and click on the Patriot Supply button at the top of the page. That's 1360khnc.com and click on the Patriot Supply button. 
happy day. And we're going to continue with the second hour and the second half of the second hour. Uh, this is the you're listening to the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. My contact information is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. I want to thank everyone for your prayers. Thank you. Uh, I know the power of prayers, and those that tell me that they pray for me and those that don't tell me that I'm being prayed for, thank you. I do need God's protection. I do need uh, whatever it is the Holy Spirit would have you pray for me. Don't pray in the soul. Don't pray in the flesh. Pray in the Spirit. Whatever it is the Holy Spirit would have you pray, then amen, you pray it. Also, I thank you for your financial help. I, I appreciate it without it. Uh, I thank God I do, I can work, I do work, and, but I do say that through your gifts, it's helping me to, it just keeps pressure off, and I'm able to take care of what things I need to take care of. So thank you very much for both your prayers and for your financial support, and uh, for your friends that, that might, they don't go to church. They don't have an assembly. Uh, they might want to listen to what I have to say. I try to, I, I am obedient to the Lord. I don't try to be obedient. I am obedient. As He directs me, I move that direction. I prepare for the programs, but every week changes. It's like the weather. You don't know the changes that will come. And it's with the Holy Spirit. I cannot see the audience. I cannot, I do not know, I cannot see your faces. I don't know what your needs may be. I have to depend on the Holy Spirit to present to you every week what I sense He wants me, it, it wants me to present. I feel to go a certain direction and I have the verses, the chapters, but then the Lord will say, go this direction. And I begin to go that direction, and there's where I have the anointing, it's where I have the flow, I have clarity in my thinking, I may have difficulty of verbalizing what I see, so I, as much as is in me, I try to present as clearly and accurately as possible 
what I feel the Lord is saying. I did touch on this matter of unforgiveness. You must forgive. You must. If you're going to have the Holy Spirit on your life, you must forgive. This is one of the a strategy of the devil. We're not to ignore his devices. Because we're a family, there's going to be offenses. And we have to repent when we're the one that causes the offense. And if we are offended by someone, then we need the power of the Holy Spirit to have the grace to forgive them. Now, if they continue to offend intentionally, that's a different matter. Now you're going to have a little bit of uh, say in your prayers and uh, you can request that the Lord do something because we are not to turn the cheek repeatedly. And we Christians, we immature Christians, will turn the cheek and then you'll turn the other cheek and you'll turn the other cheek. That's abuse. We don't, that's not what God asked us to do. Christ asked us, if somebody asks us to go a mile, well, we'll go a mile, and then we'll go another mile, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth. But the thing is, the Lord said, go one mile. But people know how to take advantage of good-hearted Christians. So there's a, there are principles in the Scripture we have to have the Holy Spirit to know when we're being taken advantage of. And when we realize someone's taking advantage of us, we have to say no to it. Because this is the nature of people, to take advantage of people. And we have to have the wisdom to, yes, to assist, to help, but not to be taken advantage of. We have to be careful. There are all these ways in the Word that we don't see, that we don't understand. But they're right there. Like many times I'll start to present something that I think is very valuable to somebody and then I immediately I'll speak a little bit but I don't have any I don't have any sense that that person is receptive and the Lord I'll just stop and the Lord will tell me don't cast your pearls before the swine don't take the work that I have done in your life in transformation I've transformed you in these areas you used to be this way but I transformed you, now you're different. Don't take that transformation and tell this individual about it because they'll think that you're just bragging, that you are just full of yourself. You're casting pearl before the swine. Don't do it. Don't take what is holy. You know, uh, Try to remember the exact words. Uh, words. 
Don't cast your pearl before the swine. Don't take what is holy and give it to the dogs. There are people that don't understand the deep, wonderful, pure, holy experiences that we might have and we present it to somebody and it's just like presenting something holy to the dog. Uh, it's not important. It's not meaningful. No, everything that Christ does with us has a purpose and is meaningful. Everything. Now, I was going to say that one of the dangers of men in ministry are men who are priests that have sin. And that sin will affect the people in the congregation. And it, because, I'll give you an example. There was a pastor I knew, and he had been involved in affairs. And he had some people in the assembly that he was part of, they knew that he had been involved with affairs outside of marriage. Well, because the pastor could do it, they did it. So they were involved. That's the sin. So you look at the pastor, and if something is acceptable with the pastor, well then, okay. If he can commit adultery and he's still in the pulpit, then I can commit adultery too and there'll be no consequences. Well, that person and the pastor were deceived. Eventually, the pastor cost him everything. And the other friend, or the friend of the pastor, cost him everything. This is the danger. The the danger of the sins of the pastor. David, the king, Bathsheba, a death, a rebuke. God causes all things to work together for good, but we don't want to We want to make we don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to be casual about our conduct. We have to be careful. Young Christians involved in you know uh, in, involved with women or drugs or booze or even the occult things like this. Initially, as God begins to draw that person, God will wink at it. God will, he'll work with you. He will, uh, you know, he's, he doesn't like it, but he'll give you a little bit of space. A little bit. But God's intention is to get you out of that trap, whatever it may be, that bondage. Because you're no use to God if you're in bondage if anything has control of you. I'll give you an example. In 1988, 
the Lord told me I would have a ministry. I didn't begin the ministry until 2001. Was that 13 years? Well, I had never thought of ministry. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what kind of a ministry it would be. I had no idea, no clue. But I did know what the scripture says. King David said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He pulled me up out of a horrible pit on a snowy day. So I didn't know what the Lord was going to do. I didn't know how. I didn't know what does this mean. I've had no formal, no formal training uh, as far as ministry, uh, didn't go to a Bible school, anything of that nature. But over the next 13 years, the Holy Spirit gave me, put me in places of experience to begin and was training me for the day that I would begin my ministry. I would met with a group of people that uh, I, I, there was a, a brother, a friend of mine, that had been teaching me Pentecostal experience, the gifts of the Spirit. And he did this weekly. We were, we were just, we were almost brothers, like natural brothers. And God put him in my life to help me, and I helped him. He was ill, so we were helping each other. But he taught me many valuable experiences. One valuable experience that I never forgot. We were having lunch one day, and uh, I told him, I said, John, I don't want to be outside of the Lord's mercy for one minute. And he stopped me and put his fork down, and he said, Brother, I wouldn't want to be out of the Lord's mercy for one second. And he corrected me. And it I never forgot it. During the time that we were fellowshipping, he passed away in 1999. But while we were, during those years, we would go have lunch. And we would sit down, and we both would pray to see who was going to buy lunch. He'd buy lunch one day, I'd buy lunch the next, back and forth. So one day, we had lunch, and he says, Rick, I'm buying lunch. I said, okay. So the next time, it was my turn. We got together another day. He says, Rick, I'm buying lunch. I said, well, John, and I knew the Lord was saying, let him buy lunch. I said, all right. The third time, the third time, I said, John, I'll get lunch. He goes, no, Rick, the Lord told me to buy lunch. And I said, but uh, you bought lunch the last two times. He said, Rick, I'm buying lunch. It doesn't, it do, it, we don't, uh, we're not operating that way. The Lord will tell us who's going to buy lunch and when it's your turn, he'll tell you to buy lunch, and you'll buy lunch. You'll know it, and I'll know it. But you know that I'm to buy you lunch again today. And I did know that. That's how we operated.
then with, in those years, my wife and I end up in different fellowships, and we continue our education, working with pastors, and working with pastors, helping them to being instrumental in helping them with their ministry. We were actually helping them with their church or their ministry. I'd never been trained to do that, but because of the giftings the Lord had given me, I operated and just worked naturally in these in these uh, fellowships. And my wife, too, we worked together. The Lord was training me. I, was, I didn't need to go to uh, a Baptist or any type of Christian university. I was being trained on the job. So God trained me to begin my ministry. I wasn't even planning to begin the ministry in 1991, but we were, my wife and I were helping a brother that had a children's church down in Denver. And in about, we began in, oh, I think it was like uh, September of 2020, or I'm sorry, of 2000. And by about March, the Lord tells me, now I want you to start your ministry. I waited. This is the way it is with the Lord. I waited. He had trained me, been training me. And in that period of time, in 19, about 1991, there was a pastor that I knew, and the Lord one day told me to go visit him. Well, you don't get to visit pastors without getting by the secretary. But I obeyed the Lord. I went one morning. I get into the building, and sure enough, there's the law enforcement right there at the front desk. And I went in and I said, yeah, I just wondered if the pastor's in. Do you have an appointment? I said, no. She said, well, you'll have to have an appointment. And just then, the, I, I'm under my breath, I'm saying, well, Lord, I told you that I wasn't going to be allowed to see him. This woman loves authority, loves power. And not only was she probably told not to just let anybody see the pastor, but she loves it. So I'm not going to get by her. Well, then the phone rang. She said, excuse me, just a second. And the pastor just so happened, I didn't know, I'd never been in the building before. He walks out of an office to the side, and he, he recognizes me. We say hi, and I told him, I said, well, I was just in the vicinity, so I thought I'd drop in which was kind of a lie because I didn't just drop in. The Lord asked me to go visit him. And he said, well, hey, well, I got a few minutes. Come on in, sit down. We visited. We were talking. And the Lord gave me some prophetic words to tell him. And one of the words, well, I'll tell you what I told him. I said, number one, I said, brother, the United States of America is Babylon the Great. Well, he didn't know how to receive that, but I wasn't going to push it. Secondly, I believe that 
the coming Antichrist will be a coming president of, of, the, of the United States. He didn't know what to think. I said, thirdly, in the body of Christ, God's children are being kept from one another, one another from, from cross-visiting because of denominations. Because I'm a Paul, I'm a Peter, I'm a Apollos. And because of that, God's children don't get to communicate across these walls. So God is going to begin to tear down these walls and these boundaries. And I said, and the day of the hireling is over. Well, when I said that, his face just kind of went, the, the expression was like, I thought, and I said, oh, but no, I'm just talking in general, Pastor. I'm, I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying that all these churches, the hirelings are going to begin to be exposed. And uh, he said, well, he says, I appreciate you coming in, and I'll remember what you said. And I left. I went by the secretary, who was extremely offended. One, one nobody got by her. I didn't have a title. I wasn't one of the church members of the city, church members of the city. I wasn't a church member there. And God was able to get me to see the pastor. I took about 10 steps out the door, and the Holy Spirit told me, don't ever put words in my mouth again. And I knew he was referring to the matter of the hireling, the hireling. And I, I stopped. I mean, my stride took about five seconds. And I just nodded because I knew what the Lord meant. Well, this pastor eventually was caught for his sex sins, for the sins. And uh, he was removed from duty. This happened a few other times. This is why the sins of the pastors are so damaging, destructive, evil, wicked, cannot be tol not tolerated, allowed in the churches. But the boards of these big fellowships, these big boards, these people like their position on that board. And they're not going to say anything against the pastor, against that individual. Years later, people who were members of that assembly, I told them the story. They couldn't believe it. They said, you, you actually went in and talked to him about that? And I said, I did. And they said, nobody, no one could ever go in and speak to him about anything. And many people were aware of what was going on. But they said, there's no way we would have been allowed to even touch any matter like you touched. And so they thanked me for being faithful to the Lord. Because eventually he was caught, found out, exposed, a investigation, and the evidence was there. And the assembly had no 
choice but to relieve him of that duty. That's what needs to happen in this nation. Many of these people need to be relieved from duty. If man won't do it, God will do it. A guy by the name of Ravi Zacharias, his daughter, after he dies, came out and she admitted it ended the ministry for the family that her father had been having relationships with women. And uh, <clears throat> she was apologetic. She did a wonderful job at asking for forgiveness. And he was exposed, but he was so powerful, it actually had to be God taking him home. This is happening all over the land. It's going to continue to happen because now we're at the time of harvest. God is going to bring his family close to him, mature them, so that he can end this age. Join me in the next hour. For those that are dropping off, God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. And remember, the podcast for the program, Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry, are on 1360khnc.com to the podcast section to the Olive Tree site. We'll be back. Hi, this is Mike Morris, owner of Warriors Revolution Tactical in Longmont. At Warriors Revolution, we have the largest selection of tactical gear and ammo in northern Colorado. But what many people may not know is that we now sell firearms. And even despite the recent run on firearms and ammunition, we have plenty of product in the store, including ARs, AKs, Glocks, SIGs, HK, and more. And don't forget all the bulk ammunition at the best prices in town. Need to do a private firearms transfer? We can do that, too. I am a veteran of the United States Marine Corps, and our team is made up of veterans and security experts, not a bunch of salesmen. Our team is trained and fought with much of the actual equipment we sell. And one thing you should know is that we support the foundations and principles this great country was founded upon. So if you need tactical gear, ammo, firearms, AR parts or upgrades, and even survival accessories, stop by and visit us on Ken Pratt Boulevard and Bowen Street in Longmont, or visit warriorsrevolution.com. That's warriorsrevolution.com. Reasons to own gold. Reason number one. Culturally, the golden rule is treating others as you want to be treated. But financially, the golden rule is those that have the gold make the rules. When you retire, make You're sure you can write You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. The Tree Farm's 50-cent tree sale is going on now. Choose from thousands of carry-out sized trees that are easy to handle and easy to plant. While supplies last, buy the first tree at regular price and mix or match a second tree for only 50 cents. Thousands of shade trees, flowering trees, fruit trees, evergreen trees, ornamental trees, and more. Also, huge savings on shrubs and perennials. You Come take see. I-25 to exit 235, then five miles west to the tree farm. I've learned to stand with people that are in the storm who have courage. You know, there's a man out there other than President Trump and just a few others that have really proven their mettle in the furnace. It's Mike Lindell. You're not going to get better towels, better sheets, better slippers, better beds, better hundreds of products made in America anywhere. It's ridiculous how high quality it is, how ridiculous the prices are low. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code KHNC. KHNC. 
As the economy collapses, are you prepared to provide even basic essentials for your family? I teach urban survival training course that arms you with hundreds of skills and hacks to keep you and yours going when everyone else gives up. Food and water are only the beginning. Call the Rev at 303-809-3343. That's 303-809-3343. This is Clay with Wagner Electric Company. We're out of Greeley. We're here to promote our Generac and Cummins standby generators and our service to the community with any electrical needs. We're located at 1517 2nd Avenue in Greeley, 970-800-3693. The biggest thing that we want to promote is that we set the standard and we're here to support you and your needs. 970-800-3693. My name is James with Milco Carpet Cleaning. I'm based out of Millican, serving all of northern Colorado. We're a family-owned company that will clean your carpets, upholstery, tile, and rugs. My goal is to freshen your home and business, leaving you dry and clean in no time with no residues. Mention this ad and receive $10 per room off, up to $50. You can call me at 970-405-3740 or email me at nococarpetcleaning at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out my reviews on Google. Hi, my name is Sam Cheshire. My wife Lisa and I own Build Design America in Longmont, Colorado. We've been in business for over 30 years, offering full-service flooring to Northern Colorado. A few years ago, we started into Kiva Studios. We offer full-service kitchen and bath remodeling, along with a design service. We're located in Longmont at 665 Frontage Road. Our phone number is 303-772-1202. And we also offer free design services. So give us a call, 303-772-1202. Hey, Chris Lewis here with My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com, 970-776-0258. At My Favorite Gunsmith, all I do is repair firearms. I love freedom more than guns, but the only thing that separates a free man from a slave is firearm ownership. I would only add that it needs to work. All of my guns work. Do yours? Find out, 970-776-0258. My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com. That's 970-776-0258. Reasons to Own Gold. Brought to you by the Patriot Training Group at AllAmericanGold.com. Reason number 647. Most people don't even know that the courts have already ruled Once money is deposited into the bank, the bank owns the money, and the depositor is merely an unsecured creditor of the bank, which means if the bank goes under, you get paid last. After the financial crisis, instead of breaking up too big to fail, the government and the Federal Reserve created Dodd-Frank and made too big to fail banks even bigger while putting your deposits more at risk. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. To learn more, visit us at allamericangold.com or call us at 800-951-0592. This is Steve at Ramsey Auto Group. Hey, this is Mike from Ramsey Auto Group. Just stopping in to say hi, let you know that we're still open, still in business, and still rocking and rolling. You know, if you're looking for a good car experience, come see us. We have old school values. We still operate by handshake. We're not pushy. We want you to be happy. And uh, we have a great selection of trucks. 6175 West 10th Street, Greeley. 970-443-5654. 970-443-5654. 9-11. 
the Podesta emails, Epstein Island, Hunter's laptop, the 2020 stolen election. What truths are they hiding? Find out this and more on Just Informed Talk Radio, weekdays from 7 to 9 a.m. Are you looking to sell your excess construction equipment? Trust Steffes Group's team of professionals to get you the best return on your investment. Steffes Group is a nationally recognized leader in the auction business with over 60 years of experience. Their team of professionals prioritize honesty, integrity, and outstanding service, and they work with you every step of the way to ensure a smooth and successful auction process. Go to steffesgroup.com right now to find a sales representative near you and discuss your options today. 1360 KHNC is proud to announce our partnership with My Kind CBD, a local Colorado-based company that uses no pesticides, no herbicides, completely organic, no heavy metals. All their products are CAO certified. That's right, independently lab certified. Our prices are the best in the country. Go out to 1360KHNC.com and hit the shopping cart button and make your purchase today. Welcome to the third hour of the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. Monday, I'm sorry, every Sunday, 9 to noon, during the week, 2 to 3, here on 1360 KHNC, for the Present Truth Program. My contact information is P.O. is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. And I'm 
been visiting in the last two hours. If you're just tuning in, you can hear the previous sections on 1360khnc.com to the podcast section. The sins of the pastors is the greatest, brings the greatest harm, destruction, a catastrophe to God's children. The sins of the pastors. Also, I've been discussing the Lord in 1988 told me I would start a ministry. And for the next 13 years, he would put me into a school, a training that he designed for me. I didn't go to a Bible college, seminary. God put me in school to work with pastors, to work with ministries, to uh, he picked the right people I was to be with, to learn lessons. Uh, and during that time, many lessons, I would study the Apostle Paul and John, Peter, the prophets in the Old Testament, to see what God did with them, what they were called to, what their ministry was, how their ministries were defined, what their message would be. And I realized I also, God has given me a message, also with each of the prophets of Israel and with the apostles, they were given specific duties for, like the Apostle Paul, to be an apostle to the Gentiles. The initial apostles, their ministry was to Israel. And with the prophets of the Old Testament, Jonah, he had a ministry separate from that of Elisha. Elisha was to Judah, Israel, to the area of Samaria. Each individual had a message for a specific group of people. And in those 13 years, the Lord was sovereignly. I didn't realize he was even training me. I didn't look at these, each individual experience as training. I didn't know what it meant to start a ministry. I worked with pastors. I worked pastors that had fallen from grace pastors that would fall from grace, other pastors who, because they just didn't understand how prophetic gifting works to help them in their ministry, eventually they would shut their ministries down. God sends the prophets to assist the pastors of the land, but the pastors of the land have been I don't know if you use the word brainwashed. They're skeptical because the people in the prophetic world have been very reckless uh, because of immaturity. They may have been called to things to do for God, but they were immature and they didn't carry out their duties in a proper way. They may hurt people, caused problems, offended people. I've done the same thing, but in about... Right about that time when the Lord told me to 
begin a ministry, I realized that what I, as a person, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm just a good person. I'm naturally kind. I love people. But that's not enough. The Lord had to begin to, I don't like the word refine. It wouldn't be a good word. To help me to, to uh, just change my disposition. Too strong in some areas, too weak in other areas. Untempered in other areas, too tempered. Each person is very complicated. We all have these different dynamics. Too gentle when I shouldn't be too gentle. Maybe too bold when I need to just back off a little. It's a training. A timid person can be the most aggressive person. A very strong-willed person can actually be a weak person. It's just how God views each of us and what He does in... We're all in a school. We're all being fashioned, not necessarily trained to have position of authority, but nevertheless in the world where God is going to place us we have to have spiritual transformation, transformation of the soul. We have to have a renewing of the mind. We can't remain natural, natural uh, in ourselves, natural abilities only. I know men that were naturally so gifted, and they would use their natural giftings in their ministry. Well, natural giftings aren't going to uh, you're not you're not building with gold, silver, precious stone. You're building with wet wood, hay, and stubble. Natural gifting is one thing, but being full of the Holy Spirit and being and operating and functioning under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it's a whole different matter. And during that 13 years, there are so many. I mean, it's really like going to college, to the university, and having a full load of 15 to 18 credits. It wasn't just one thing the Lord was teaching me, instructing me on. It was many things at the same time. My relationship with this friend, John, we, were, we would communicate in a spiritual manner which is very unique. I don't have a phone. He doesn't know how to get in touch with me. He asks me, he says, Rick, you don't have a phone. If I need to, if I need to get in touch with you, what do I do? I said, well, and I thought for the, about all of maybe eight seconds. I said, well, John, uh, and I knew he'd understand what I was going to tell him. I said, well, John, if you, need, if you need to talk to me, just say, Lord Jesus, have Rick call me, and I'll call you. And he said, just a half a second later, oh, okay, all right. He said, all right. He said, well, when I, when I ask the Lord to have you call me, you better call me. I said, I will. 
We did this the very first time. I was driving down the street. The Lord tells me, pull over at 7-Eleven, call John. He needs to talk to you. I pull over. John, Rick. He goes, Rick, I, be, I started praying 30 minutes ago that the Lord have you call me. How come it took so long? I said, well, sorry, John. I was busy doing some stuff, and I was just coming down the street, and the Lord did tell me to call you. He said, well, okay, all right. Can you come down to dinner? We've got to have lunch and visit. I said, okay. Another day, driving down the street, called John. Called John. Rick, John, what's going on, man? He says, hey, uh, well, he said, I just asked the Lord about 30 seconds ago to have you call me, and you called. That's the way we operated. This went on for months and months and months until I got a phone. Uh, he had diabetes. One night I wake up in the middle of the night, and my kidneys are just killing me. I'm going, what in the world? It's about 2 in the morning. I'm just, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. My kidneys are just really, really. And the Lord said, John is having a hard night. Pray for him. So I just asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I pray that this pain that John is experiencing with his kidneys, with his kidneys, I pray, Lord, help him. Help him with this discomfort. Help him with this pain. Got a call in the morning. Rick, John, can you come down to Denver? I'll buy you lunch. I said, sure. Got together and we were eating. And I said, hey, you know, John, uh, last night, I don't know what's going on with you, but last night, <clears throat> Lord, about 2 in the morning, told me to pray for you because your kidneys were hurting. And he goes, dear God. He said, I was in so much pain, I didn't know if I was going to make it. He said, I was just in pain. I couldn't sleep. I was miserable. And he said, and then all of a sudden, the pain just went away. He says, thank you, thank you. This is the way we worked. I'm giving you these testimonies. This is the way it's going to be for you overcomers. For you people who are really serious about your relationship with the Lord, your walk with the Lord, your involvement with God's plan in your life, whether you're young, a female, male, old, I don't care. This is the way God is going to, is working with his people. And I don't mean, uh, you know, in a simple, um, no, you're being trained. These experiences you have are being trained. But, you're being trained, like I'm being trained with John, outside the camp. I'm not in a camp. I'm not in an assembly. I'm not in a organized, structured church. I am being trained outside in the world, in the cosmos, in real situations with a friend, with other people, so I'm just, I am as I'm, as I, day by day, we talk, we visit, we talk with each other, day by day, and uh, this is the way it worked all the time, one day John calls me, says, hey, can you come down, we need to go to lunch, I said, sure, so I come down, and we have lunch, 
And it was just at that time that uh, I was I didn't have work. I'd been out of work. And it was, uh, I'm trying to remember if it was springtime. But uh, John said, I need to, I need to uh, stop at the bank. So we stopped at the bank. And he went in, and I'm sitting there waiting, just minding my own business. And all of a sudden, the Lord tells me that he went in to get $1,000 to give to me. And I began to protest. And I began to just kind of uh, say, tell the Lord, Lord Jesus, I, I don't like this. I don't like this. I prefer to work. I, I don't want. And then I was just protesting. John came out, got in the car, hand me this envelope. He says, the Lord told me to give this to you. I said, John, man, I, I, I don't like this. He goes, Rick, when the Lord tells me to do something, what am I supposed to do? He told me to give you $1,000, and I'm, I'm obeying what he said. So don't tell me about it. He said, here, it's yours. This is the way we worked. This is the way we operated. I've told these stories before, but I'm going to tell this one again. I've been working in the oil field for about a year and a half. Hadn't made any money, living off of credit, off of money that we had had stored up. And we're, we can't pay rent. Sometimes we're just barely making it. So one day, I get a call Sunday morning at about 11 o'clock. No, I'm sorry. Was it a Saturday? Yes, it was a Saturday. Get a call from John. Rick, hey, John, what's going on? He goes, hey, uh, you home? Yeah. Mind if I come over? I said, no, no, come on over. I'll be here. So he comes over, and he pulls up, and he comes to the door, and he rings the doorbell, and I'm just not thinking. So I open the door, and he's standing there. I said, hey, John, so what's going on? And he's looking at me, kind of looking at me, puzzled. And he said, uh, Rick, can I come in? I thought, well, well, come in, John. I'm sorry. What am I thinking? It was just, I didn't see him generally on the weekends, but he came in. And he stood there in the front room. And he goes, he said, Rick, you know, uh, you know, I like to mind my own business. I said, yeah. He goes, you know, and, uh, you know, I... I really don't like meddling in other people's business, but uh, I have a question for you. I said, okay. He goes, uh, would you mind if I look in your refrigerator? And I didn't know what to think, and I thought, well, I said, well, sure. That's uh, Nobody had ever asked me that before. He walks over to the refrigerator. He looks inside, and there's a bottle of ketchup in a bottle of condiments and mustard and different things. And <clears throat> he said, Rick, your refrigerator is empty. I said, well, yeah, I know. He said, Rick, you don't have anything to eat. I said, well, I didn't know what to say. He goes, Rick, how are you going to live if you don't eat? 
I said, well, uh, I didn't want to tell anybody about our situation. He goes, Rick, I mind my own business. I wake up this morning. I'm just going about my day, and the Lord tells me, John, Rick doesn't have any food. And I said, what? Rick doesn't have any food. I said, well, Lord, if Rick doesn't have any food, how's he going to live? His wife and his children. What do you want me to do? The Lord said, go down and buy him some food. John said, okay. So went to a King Supers, and he got the basket and started walking through the store. He says, Rick, he said, Lord, uh, I don't know what Rick likes. What, what do they eat? And the Lord said, you just walk up and down the aisles, and I'll show you what to get. So he's walking down this one aisle. Do they like milk? Yes, they like milk. Cheese? Yeah, cheese. So he put in milk and cheese. And they went and got, he said, he like hamburger? Yes, he likes hamburger. How about steak? Oh, yeah, he likes steak. How about this? How about that? And he just kept going up and down the aisles, filling up the basket. Do you like peas, frozen peas? Yes, they like frozen peas. Frozen carrots? Yeah, carrots. Fresh vegetables? Yes. And he filled up the cart. And he said, well, Rick, I, I paid. And the Lord said, now, just take it over to him. And I called you. And, and uh, Rick, can you do me a favor? I said, sure, John. He said, would you come out to the car and help me bring in your groceries? I said, sure. This is the way it worked. This is the way God does it. During that 13 years, God is training me. He is showing me the power of the giftings of the Holy Spirit, the power of two people in unison with the things of God. He was outside the camp. I was outside the camp. We were not part of any system. You can't, if you're in a system, be careful. That system kills your ability to follow the Holy Spirit. If you're in that system, don't let that system kill your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Another day, about two weeks later, Saturday, I get a call about 10 o'clock. Rick, I said, John, he goes, Rick, I have a question for you. Okay? He says, are you home? I said, yeah. <clears throat> he said, can I come over? I said, sure, come on over. I lived in North Glen. He lived in, in uh, West Aurora. So he came over. He, walked, he came up to the door and knocked on the door. This time, I went to the door, and I let him in. I said, John, come on in. So he came in, and he's standing in the middle of the front room. He said, Rick, uh, it's none of my business, he says, but he said, uh, Rick, uh, do you have rent money for this month? And I said, well, uh, no. He said, Rick, if you don't have rent money, you're not going to pay your rent. And they're going to get kicked out into the street. He said, Rick, it's none of my business, but the Lord told me, John, 
take Rick $425 so he can pay his rent. So Rick, and he pulled out a check, and he says, Rick, uh, uh, this is for you to pay your rent. He says, how much is your rent? And I said, well, $425. And he says, when do you have to pay it? And I said, well, I have to pay it today. And the lady that we rent from is coming over at noon, and it's about 11 o'clock now. She'll be here in about an hour. And he goes, well, Rick, pay your bloody rent. And he said, listen, I, I got to go. I said, well, okay, John, this is the way we worked. This happened for years. We did this. And uh, always. Then, the, we used to, during the time that he had, he was on uh, the, what do you call it, where they clean the blood out, dialysis. And he had me one day take him over to uh, hospice. He said, I need to go over here real quick. So he takes me to hospice. He goes in to check in. I said, whoa, John, you, can, you I mean, what am I going to tell your wife? What, 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 are you crazy? And they said, well, we can't just admit you. we got to talk to you, your wife, your doctor. So he, we went home. Well, then his wife got a call. She called me. This was like on a Tuesday. She calls me on a Thursday, and she said, uh, I just wanted to ask you, why would you take John to hospice? I said, I didn't know. I didn't know what he was planning. She goes, you didn't know about it? I said, no, I didn't know what this place was. And I said, if I'd have known, I wouldn't have, I mean, I'd have argued with him. So that put peace between us. And I told him, I said, John, the Lord told me that the family, they need you. You're ready to go be with the Lord, but they need you. And he says, well, the Lord told me, he said, the Lord told you that? I said, yeah, the Lord told me that it's not time yet because the family still needs you. He says, well, okay. If that's the case, then I'll have the grace and I'll just wait. Or I'm going to have to finish the story when we get back. But he did pass away at a later date. But for those that are dropping off or just tuning in, remember the podcasts are on 1360 KHNC dot com podcast section to the olive tree site and uh, the program is the olive tree lampstand olive tree and lampstand ministry radio church i'm your host rick rodriguez we'll be right back any major disaster especially weather related when the power goes out can cause people to suddenly panic within hours grocery store shelves in your area can be picked clean Food supply lines get interrupted and food is hard to find. At that point, it's too late to do anything about it. You must survive only on the food you already have in your home or risk waiting for the government to respond while you're standing in food lines. So ask yourself, do you have enough food in your home to last for weeks or months? That's why the smart move is to secure your family's personal supply of the most reliable emergency food you can buy. Having at least four weeks worth of food is not a luxury, it's mandatory. If you don't want you and your family to end up in this situation, go to 1360KHNC.com and click on the Patriot Supply button at the top of the page. That's 1360KHNC.com and click on the Patriot Supply button. 
happy day. Oh, a happy day. When Jesus walked. Oh, when he walked. When Jesus walked. Well, we're finishing the last 30 minutes of today's program. The uh, contact information is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. Again, podcasts are on 1360khnc.com. Programs are streamed daily on 1360khnc.com. So John is... uh, he wants me. He takes. He has me take him to hospice, and I didn't know what he was planning. And his wife, she understood, and I told him, John, they're not ready for you to be. Go- they're not ready for you to leave yet. He said, Well, I think they're ready. I said, No, they're not ready. They may say they're ready, but they're not. His wife and two children. And I said, The Lord is telling me that He'll give you the grace, but you need to be here a while longer. And he says, Well, okay. All right, he accepted it. At the same time, the Lord told me, from this point, you have lunch with John every Thursday. Every Thursday. This was in the spring of 99. This is every Thursday. So we had lunch every Thursday for the next roughly six months. Then one day, I was getting ready to go down to Denver to have lunch. We always went to the same restaurant. And the Lord told me, this will be the last time you have lunch with John. And I didn't know what to think. And I thought, I didn't say anything, I just, I just had to think about it. So we, waiter came over and we ordered. He left, we got our drinks. John says, Rick, he says, this is going to be the last time we have dinner together. I said, uh, the Lord already told me. I said, well, John, he said, well, he said, I've talked to Vicki. Next Monday, I am not going to dialysis. I'm done. I can't take it anymore. He was going blind. He was just in a lot of misery. And he said, uh, so I'm just going to discontinue. The doctor said that probably be by Thursday. Well, he discontinued. I did get to visit with him one more time on Friday. Uh, and he died the next morning. This is the way it is and should be with God's children. God should be so involved in everything that we do not just occasionally here or there, but in everything that we do, in our relationship with people that we love, people that we, we may have difficulties with. So for 13 years, from 88 to 2001, God is training me. I could never have been trained so perfectly by going to a Bible college. That was not God's ordained plan for me. My ministry 
would be a ministry where I would assist people that are dying. I would assist pastors who, because they wouldn't listen, they would eventually lose their ministries. There's nothing I can do. Man has free will. Other pastors that had crashed and burned, and I'm helping them, but there will come a point where they just decide, you know, I'm a pastor, you're not. And the old, the old, what do you call that? What's that word? Not arrogance. The old, uh, I'll think of the word. But because I'm a pastor, you're not. They're just, it just all of a sudden they have a change in attitude. I'm helping them just as the Holy Spirit wants me to help. And all of a sudden they just kind of pride. And it eventually ends, the relationship ends, and the individual goes into the future and uh, they end up in hardship. So the Holy Spirit is training me. Many different things. On a personal level, excuse me, I'm I don't, I'm a very private person. I don't like to say too much, especially on radio. But, for your sake, I will tell you this story. So I, I, uh, I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm big. I'm overweight probably, probably by 50 pounds. But I'm in shape. I'm strong. I paint. Uh, I'm very healthy. But one day the Holy Spirit came to me and he said, and I'd been reading the, the um, not restrictions that Paul gave Timothy. They were, they, were, they were the requirements to be responsible in a position of responsibility. There are requirements. The husband of one wife. Your children uh, are obedient to you and there's no, they're, they're, they're not a detriment to society. And it goes on and on, being able to teach, being able to, hospitality. We, uh, my wife and I, uh, my children, they have friends that have conflict with their parents, so they, the kids live with us. And that kid goes, another kid lives with us. That person goes, another friend comes, he doesn't have a place to live. We take in what we used to, the family, my wife's family, they, they said, so you, you guys take in strays, like stray cats. You guys are always taking in these people. And you never knew who was going to come to live with us. But we always had somebody staying with us. If not our children's friends, then a friend of mine, or a, a relative, or whatever. So strays, we always have strays coming to live with us. Well, that's one of the, re one of the uh, requirements that they have to be given to hospitality. Well, then the Lord told me. He said, uh, you know, 
that you're not keeping your flesh subject under subjection. And I'd eat a lot, but I'm active. And I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm strong. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed having that kind of strength because I'm a painter. I I'm very active. I'm having to climb ladders, 40-foot ladders, 30-foot ladders. Uh, but the Lord said, you know, your flesh is your flesh has got to be brought under control. And I I just nodded. I didn't even talk. I just I nodded. And in my heart I said, Okay, Lord. I, I agree. I agree. And I said, I don't know. I don't know what you want me to do. You want me to whatever fast. Uh, I don't know what you want me to do. Just tell me what you want me to do. I didn't make, I didn't make a plan. I just said, okay, Lord, whatever you, whatever you want to do. I said, you decide what's best. So I left it at that one night, uh, early in the morning, three in the morning, I got up to go to the bathroom and the Lord just came and said, it's time, isn't it? And I knew what he meant. Time to begin to lose weight. And I said, yeah. He said, he says, okay. And I said, Lord, I don't know what you want to do, but it's time. You just got to let me know. Well, I'd been doing, my wife and I had been painting a big barn, huge barn. Uh, it was a seven-building farm, and the barn was massive with an additional part of that structure being added onto. I scraped it by hand, and I forgot it was lead paint back from the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. I got lead poisoning, and I went from, I probably lost about 60, 60 pounds in the matter of like two or three months. I had no energy I was very weak, but I did lose weight. And then the Lord did give us a way to get rid of the lead in my system, barley wheatgrass or barley grass, uh, green powder. And I lost the weight and maintained basically that weight from then to now. The Lord chose how to do it. During that 13 years, the Lord counseled me on every step what I was going to need in the future, who I was to meet. I'm running out of time. I have another three hours where I could tell you more intricately exactly how the people I would meet who would train my wife and I in the future concerning generational Satanism. They would teach us about uh, sacrifice, human sacrifice, uh, all these things that are just too, I, I didn't want any part of it. And then it was through meeting someone with the old Bob Larson ministry. You meet a family and schooling begins. I didn't want any part of it. And after meeting initially with uh, an in, 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 an individual, I was driving home and I said, "Whoa, this is too much. I I don't, uh, uh, I don't, uh, 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 I don't want to get involved in this thing." And the Lord told me, 
You're going to need this education for your future. That's all the Holy Spirit had to tell me. I knew something's coming. I better be trained for it. Because it's going to come whether I want it or not. I better be a good student. I better be to class. I better remember the lessons. Because something is coming. And if I don't have this education, if I don't master this class, if I don't die, maybe my wife or children may die or family may die. I better pay attention. All of you. It's not about me. I'm giving you testimonies to show you the power of the Holy Spirit in your life if you will allow Him to work with you. Something is coming. Every Christian is going to go through what is coming. Not every Christian is going to be teachable. Not every Christian will be a good student to be to class every day. To be at the front of the class to learn the lessons. They're going to ditch. They're going to be AWOL. But what is coming is going to come. God is preparing a group of people that will be prepared for this new attack on the body of Christ. To understand what I just said, you've got to go back to hour one and begin to listen. You can... Listen to these hours and segments, but there is a flow to each program. There is a theme. Something is coming that we need to be prepared for. We're at the time of the harvest. The rains have ended as far as the rains needed to mature the crop. The crop is ready to be harvested. The wheat is sitting, ready to be reaped. The reaping of God's children is going to begin. But before, you're, before the time that you're taken, whether it be before Christ returns or at the resurrection, you're not going to be taken at a rapture. Forget that. You don't take part of the wheat field and then another part later on and another part later on. The farmer... When it's time to harvest, he takes the whole field together. It goes at one time. There will be a resurrection. We will all go together at one time. The harvest is coming. Before the harvest, there's going to be tribulation. Then after the tribulation, there's going to be great tribulation. When the great tribulation begins, nighttime has descended upon the children of God, upon the family of God. Nighttime has come. You cannot work any longer. Work is over. You have to hide. If you can hear what I'm telling you, it is time to hide. It is time to disappear. If you don't, you will be martyred. And even if you do try to hide and they catch you, you're still going to be probably martyred. Before this type of a situation would occur, I guarantee you that the Spirit of God would be upon you to give you the peace 
Will all Christians have that peace? No. Because they have never learned to have access to the Holy Spirit in that time of intense need. But they, God will still be gracious. But before the tribulation, there comes the time in which we are in presently. It's a time of birth pains, a time of sorrows. We hear about a digital system coming where you can't buy and sell. That's in the Great Tribulation. That's not in the Tribulation. It's in the Great Tribulation. But in the Tribulation, <clears throat> you're going to be persecuted. In the Tribulation, you may lose your home. You may be imprisoned. You may lose your job. You may lose all the resources you have presently. It's Tribulation. You're going to need miracles like I've been explaining to you with this friend of mine, John. These are just, I've given you a fraction of the experiences that we've had. The things that, that God had done with us. I don't have a phone. He tells the Lord, have Rick call me. I call him 30 seconds later. Things of this nature. I, I go down to Denver one time. And he said, uh, well, actually, he comes up to Longmont. I was living in Longmont. He goes, hey, listen, I want to come up and uh, let's go to A&W. So he came up, and a friend of mine from California was staying with us. And he gives the friend $500, and he gives me $300. Well, he has a debt to the IRS of like, I don't know, ten or 12000 and both of us are thinking, whoa, he should be using this to pay the debt off. And so he went to use the restroom, and the friend and I are talking. And just then, the friend says, should we give this money back to him? And the Holy Spirit talked to me, told me, do not touch his faith. He is trusting me for something. Do not touch his faith. And I told the friend, you better take it and don't say anything. I he took the five, I took the three. We went and had lunch at A&W. He paid for the dinner. We're thinking, whoa, well, okay. And that was the week that the IRS, he was due all this money. Well, the Lord just told him, call somebody. But he'd always got people that were pretty aggressive. But he called, he talked to a lady, he said, listen, I don't have anything. I don't have the money. I don't want you to garnish my wage, my wife's wages. She had nothing to do with this and is going to embarrass her at work. And can we work something out? And she, uh, the lady from the IRS said, well, what do you have? He says, well, I have a 15-year-old car. What's it worth? $500. Well, you send me the title to that and we'll work it out. He said, okay, I'll send it this week. God worked it out for him on his behalf. Just worked it out. We didn't touch his faith. Then I listened to Lester Summerall about a week later. Lester just starts his church. He has a small building. More and more people are coming in. They were packed. Uh, to the, to the, the place was packed. And he just told the people one day, he said, we're going to have to expand. We have a special fund set up. So just, you know, if you have a little extra, what you do extra will go to the fund. And 
would you, you know, just make out a separate check? So there was this little lady. She worked. Her husband had just died. She was getting his pension. She was uh, getting, she worked at the laundromat. She told the Lord, Lord, I'll go to work at the laundromat, and the money I get at the laundromat, I will donate for the fund. So he gets his offerings on a Sunday. He finds a check from the lady signed over to him, so he went to visit her. She says, well, yeah, Lester, uh, this is my donation for the building. He says, well, you know, you're a widow, you're on fixed income. He goes, yeah, I know, I'm okay, though. So he said, okay. Next Sunday, the same thing. He goes to visit her again. She invites him in. He says, you know, uh, you only need to give 10%, but you're giving this whole paycheck. She goes, oh, yeah, I, I know, I know. And she was a little bit, Lester said, she was a little bit kind of put off. But she was gracious. And he said, okay. Third week, same thing. So he went to visit her on Monday again. And this time when she he opened the door, she says, come in, Pastor, come in. Go, well, you know, sister, he goes, and she said, before he could finish, she said, Pastor Summerall, I asked the Lord to give me a job to help fund the new building. And the Lord brought me this job at the laundromat. My, dad, my husband's pension is enough. My bills are paid. But this money is for the building. Now, Pastor Summerall, will you do me a favor? Don't come to see me anymore. I don't want you to touch my faith. Don't touch my faith. And Lester said, I never went back to see her again. As soon as the building funds were met, she stopped tithing for the building. This is exactly what happened that day when John came up to visit. The Lord told me, and I hadn't heard this one story of Lester Summerall yet. The Lord told me, do not touch his faith. I told a friend, uh-uh, you put that in your pocket. I put mine in my pocket. He came up, took us to lunch. Later, a couple of days later, he called me. He goes, Rick, John. He goes, praise God. I said, wow, John, what happened? Tell me. He says, praise God, praise God. I talked to the lady. I didn't get one of those old, you know, obstinate, we're going to come and garnish your wages and take your children and leave you homeless type of people. This individual said, send me the title. He said, the car's only worth $500. It's 15 years old. And I sent her the title, and praise God, we're giving her X amount every month, and that's it. And he got had it taken care of. Then he comes up another day, and he said, Rick, I was on the way home, and my car started, my motor started knocking. I stopped at a gas, at an auto place on the way home. They said, it's going to cost you about $1,200. I went to the next place up the street. They said, yeah, probably about $1,100. I went to the next place, probably about, they all agreed. It was a rod going out. And the guy said, no, this is a rod. He said, uh, it's, gone. It's, it's over. You're going to have to build the engine and get a new car. He said, well, I drove about another block up the street. I said, Lord, I can't afford anything, and I don't know what to do. And the Lord said, put your hands on the hood, pray that the angels fix it, and go home. He said, well, I put the hand, my hands on the hood, 
I said, Lord Jesus, you're going to have to have these angels fix this thing. Fix it. I'm going home. And he said, the whole way home, it's duck, 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 duck. He says, I know, Rick, it's going to blow. I know that it's, it's, it's over. He said, but all of a sudden, the knock went away. And this is, he drove it another three years before he lost his license. These are the miracles, the true miracles for the people outside the camp. Not in the camp, out of the camp. You can be in the camp and there will be miracles too. But the greatest training goes begins outside the camp. That's where the real training and the trusting in the Lord and the real experiences that God wants you to have. And we're done for today. May God bless you. May God bless you so mightily. May He bless you to the point where you can't handle it. And then when you can't handle it, you thank Him, you praise Him, and you just keep praising Him. Till next week, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Podcasts are on 1360khnc.com. And God bless you all. Thank you so much for your prayers, your financial support. We will visit Sunday next week, 9 o'clock. Rick Rodriguez. Have a wonderful week. Hey, folks. Larry Elder here. The rumors are true. KHNC listeners are loving Y-Refi. They're investing in a secure, collateralized portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or to the Fed. A portfolio where you know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. Your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. You can turn your income on or off, compounded, whatever you choose. And get this. There is no loss of principal if you ever need your money back. Eldorados, you got to get in touch with Y-Refi. I've met with them personally, and take it from me, the great Eldersky, they are trustworthy, honest, and you can earn a fixed rate of return up to 10.25%. Just go to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or call 888-Y-REFI-24. Click on investyrefi.com or call 888-Y-REFI-24. You will be glad you did. It's a perfect time to plant trees during the Tree Farm's 50-cent tree sale. Buy the first tree at regular price and get a second tree for only 50 cents. Choose from thousands of carryout-sized shade trees, flowering trees, evergreen trees, and more. Buy one 7-8-foot-tall flowering tree for only $269.50 and get another tree for only 50 cents. That's two 7-gallon trees for only two cents. You're listening to The War of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. Your investment. Steffes Group is a nationally recognized leader.